Hey, parents. It is so good to have you with us again for the Wonder of Parenting podcast, a brain science approach to parenting. My name is Tim Wright, here with Dr. Michael Gurian. Michael, welcome to the program. Thank you, Tim. And uh, as always, we are so appreciative of you listening. And uh, if you enjoy the program today or you enjoy the podcast, we encourage you to share them with your friends. Let them know uh, that the Wonder of Podcast Parent uh, Wonder of Parenting podcast is here for them. Uh, we've got another listener question today that we're going to dive into here in a moment. But Michael, you've got a special event coming up uh, through the Gurian Institute that I know you want to talk about for those who are teachers, parents might find this interesting. Oh, yes. Thank you. Yeah. On wonderparenting.com, if people go there, you're going to see kind of a purple graphic and it's for the Winter Institute. So our Winter Training Institute is going to be done uh, as a telesummit this, uh, in January, January 23rd, 24th. But everyone's going to be able to watch all of the videos for seven days. So it's really a seven-day event. It's just that we're going to re- record everything and do all of that on those two days. It's also an event at which people who are in the teaching world um, who would like to certify as trainers. They can do that on the Monday morning. For for parents, for any parent listening to this podcast, uh, uh, look at that. Click that link and look at that because you you might really like the Winter Institute. The speakers are incredible. The um, uh, the topics, you know, it's just, it, it, we do this twice a year, once in the winter, once in the summer. And, um, you know, I think you might really like it. So we're hoping everyone who wants to join will join. Just go to wonderofparenting.com and click the purple graphic. So we record these in advance. We usually do three recordings at a time. And uh, so if our calendaring is correct, we are coming up to mid-December of 2020. And of course, when I say the phrase 2020, we all <laughs> think about, wow, what a year. Uh, but because it's December, it's also Christmas time uh, for those who celebrate Christmas. And, and Christians have this great uh, Christmas carol we usually sing on Christmas Eve, Silent Night, All is Calm, All is Bright. And that leads us into our question for today, a teacher who is asking for some calming strategies for her students uh, just in time for Christmas break. So these are some things we can talk about uh, that will impact parents and that will impact teachers as well. And uh, so here's how her question goes. I am a primary school teacher and would like your advice about a student. She is 12 years old and generally a chatty, energetic girl very social and engaging. Over one of our COVID lockdowns, when school was being done online, her mom informed me that her daughter was experiencing an accelerated heart rate, trouble breathing, and dizziness. She was often too tired to complete tasks and would spend a lot of time in bed. She's being taken to a doctor who is doing tests, but so far no physical condition has been found. In my opinion, she is a a real a ponderer of problems, okay? A perfectionist and worries about big social issues. Her mom is sure there's uh, this is not a factor, however. We are back at school now and restrictions have really eased. She's attended school occasionally and when she is there, I see no signs of worry, anxiety, or any physical symptoms. But then she will have an episode at night and won't attend school for another few days. I'm hoping you might have some ideas about strategies I could teach the whole class so she isn't being singled out, but may help her if her problem is mainly anxiety-based and that she can also utilize at home or that I can share with her mom. Uh, I'm also worried that there could be depression and what else I can do besides recommending health services. So there's several levels to this question. She's very concerned about this girl 
um, and the symptoms that she was showing, particularly during COVID, but now back in class. And then more broadly speaking, what are ways to help our students whose lives have been so disrupted uh, over these last several months, in school, out of school, COVID fears, uh, what are some strategies we we can use? So I'm guessing, as with every question, Michael, you look at this and you sort of have some big picture thoughts, and then we can dig a little deeper. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, I think I think that um, she is depressed, um, this 12 year old, uh, and that that's a way in. Uh, I know the doctor said they hadn't found anything physical, which would be logical, you know. Um, uh, but the depression would come under, you know, a different category and might require a different doctor. Um, so I would suggest that, that that gets looked at. Uh, the, she could, I mean, she could have an anxiety disorder. You know, I would just say start with, dep- start to, with depression and let that psychiatrist or that, that um, specialist then try to figure out what she has. Um, because to miss all those days of school you know, the thing that gets me thinking that is, is when she says she'll have an episode, won't attend school then for another few days. Um, you know, I mean, this could be a panic attack on the anxiety side, right. but since everyone's thinking depression, I would start with depression. Now, the also, because she's 12, I, that professional, whoever does this, the parents, I mean, the teacher, it sounds like maybe can advise the mom and the parents to get them to look at hormones, get them to look at hormones because uh, female hormonology which is definitely going to be kicking in for this 12 year old, um, you know, can carry depression with it. And uh, all sorts of mood shifts happen that uh, in adolescent girls that we think of as having a, a cause like, like, I don't know, like the parents did something to make their child this way or the, or someone has bullied the child or something like that. And, and, and it turns out that isn't the case. The case is that the estrogen is off, the progesterone is off, that the cycle, the, that all that hormonology needs to be looked at for this child. Um, and, and the other thing that, you know, that triggered that in my mind was when she said she would be out of school for a few days. Now she's, she's connected it to, she has an episode. We don't know what that episode is, of course, but, but I, I think it's not a, but, and I think it's possible that something is going on menstrually too, or at least under the surface, um, that's just so internally powerful for her that she can't even get up in the morning and go to school, right? So that 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 to me is the way in. That means there's depression, there's something inside. Um, and then in terms of, of strategies, okay, so for, for this girl, uh, it's probable that there's gonna need to be one-on-one help for her. So if this teacher, like there there isn't a particular strategy that I could walk into that classroom and, you know, teach to these kids and say, you know, guess what? This girl is depressed. Um, here's what I want you to do with her, right? Because that's that's going to send everything out of whack. Um, the, it's going to be very difficult for other 12-year-olds to really figure that out. And then, of course, there's going to be people who judge the girl, um, who shame her, etc. So I think the I think the teacher is going to intuitively be saying things to the girls like we need to be sensitive uh, and the boys I mean to the class we need to be sensitive she's going through a hard time let's be her friend so that's going to get said and should keep getting said um, but I think the big thing that the school can do is try to help find one on one so if it's this teacher this teacher cares a lot about her I would you know maybe it's this teacher who has her come to her office or her homeroom during lunch and eat lunch with her, you know, really form this bond, 
and and have that hour where she's doing one-on-one -on -one with this child or after school you know this teacher is doing one-on-one -on -one. if there's someone else or a few other people that would be appropriate then great because this this girl needs tlc you know she really needs people to be giving her positive attention bonding and and help i, I think you know i think she's really su suffering and needs some help Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This podcast is sponsored by Skylight Frame. Mother's Day is almost here. What are you getting her? Something that shows you care. Something that makes her feel loved. Something that won't stress you out. Something like the Skylight Frame. The Skylight Frame is the perfect gift. It's a touchscreen photo frame your whole family can upload photos to from wherever they are in the world. It's a way to share with her all the moments that matter. It sets up in seconds. You can even make sure that it's already loaded with photos when your mom opens her Mother's Day gift. And her Skylight Frame can hold thousands of the treasured photos you share. It's an easy, heartfelt way for mom to stay connected with those who matter most. It really is the perfect gift. Now, as a special Mother's Day offer for our listeners, Get 15% off your purchase of a Skylight Frame when you go to skylightframe.com slash easy. That's S-K-Y-L-I-G-H-T-F-R-A-M-E dot com slash easy. Get 15% off your Mother's Day purchase now at skylightframe.com slash easy. What, uh, to broaden the question a little bit, but it's it's in here, what are you seeing in terms of COVID and its impact on our students? In well, we are definitely seeing. Yeah, oh, I was going to say, ahead. in terms of being discombobulated. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're seeing this, no doubt. I mean, I'm sure people have seen it in the press as well, or on TV. You know, the studies that are coming out that are showing how many kids are anxious, how many kids are depressed, um, because because the school lockdown, for instance, you know, that is a trauma um, that that traumatizes the kids, and. Um, uh, and partly because the parents are also so traumatized because they've lost their jobs. And, you know, the, all of that working together creates a trauma. And uh, and it's many months of trauma. And um, and so we've talked in other programs about how everyone has a, a genome package. And if you have a child, let's take this 12-year-old. Um, uh, if we have a 12-year-old, and let's say one of the parents were depre have depression or other um, relatives have depression, uh, or have anxiety disorder, then these genes, you know, are, can be in there in this child. And part of what triggers the genes is trauma. Well, COVID is now tr is now triggering a lot of genetics that would not have been triggered. So this 12 year old non COVID non school lockdown, you know, going through this year 2020 without all that happening, maybe those depression genetics don't get triggered. But this year, they're get, they are now triggered by the trauma, because trauma can trigger the genetics. So um, I think that what we're seeing is millions and millions, I don't know, worldwide must be in the tens of millions of kids and families who are traumatized by this, and who are having all having their reactions, some increase anxiety, some increase in depression, or, or adolescent onset of depression, adolescent onset of anxiety disorders. Um, 
you know, isolating behaviors. As, as we know, um, suicide rates have gone up uh, among teens and adults. So uh, the, the Wellness Trust, which is a nonprofit that studies suicide in the, in the U.S., um, is expecting this year 75,000 suicides. And our average is between 35 and 40,000 suicides, wow. which is, by the way, a lot. Yep. But um, they're expecting 75. And I believe we've already crossed you know, into those marks for this year, which is just ending now, 2020. So, you know, increased suicide, all of these things are what we are seeing. And the teachers, the problem is that, that it's not as if, you know, it's only the kids traumatized, the teachers mm. and the parents are traumatized. So all these people who are, who are traumatized, many of whom don't have jobs or teachers who are trying to open their classrooms, but then they're not allowed to, or, you know, all, there's all sorts of constellations there of what can happen. So everyone is, everyone is traumatized. And so the parents also don't have, and the teachers don't have the sort of internal assets to fully um, watch and observe and track what's going on with the kids. And, um, and, you know, another thing that worries me, and I've spoken with you about this before is that because of online schooling, we're then having all these brain effects. Uh, yeah. So four to eight hours a day in front of screens for kids and like take a 12 year old. Okay. So, so six hours a day in front of a screen for a 12 year old is dangerous. Uh, we should see more depression, more anxiety, more of these things in more children when they're just in front of the screen for six hours. So all of these things are dangerous. We have to, you know, we obviously have to work our way out of these things as soon as possible. Right, right. Uh, as I was reading this uh, question, I related on the anxiety side of, of the issue because those symptoms that that young girl has are the symptoms that I would experience uh, when I was at my worst with my anxiety disorder. And a lot of it was, uh, you know, whatever it was that, that triggered it, it was usually a sense of being out of control, that my my organized, structured life in some way, shape, or form was out of control. And um, I think so many of our students are having a hard time, our kids are having a hard time trying to process what in the world's going on in the world. And they're, they're getting yeah. all of this adult information into their 9, 10, 11, 12-year-old brains, and it starts coming out in their bodies in some ways, doesn't it, in their emotions? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. They're carrying the stress. Children are carrying their parents' stress too. So they have their mm -hmm. own stress and they're carrying their parents' stress. And uh, it's not that their parents are doing anything wrong. It's just, this is where we are. And uh, that your word powerlessness is very important because that's part of what is traumatizing um, our, our civilization really is how powerless people feel. You know, America, as I speak right now, America, just the United States I'm speaking of has right around 25% real unemployment. Um, our published unemployment figures are, you know, like 7%, this kind of thing, but that's not real unemployment. Um, real unemployment is, includes all the people who are no longer getting unemployment and then uh, people who have stopped looking for work because there aren't jobs and et cetera. So we're actually at around 25%. Now that constitutes tens of millions of people. Yeah. And then yeah. that, that multiplies into about 70 million children being raised by these folks who are unemployed and 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 those kids carry their parents stress and that's just on un unemployment you know then we get into the stress that teachers are under we get into the stress that parents are under trying to do online schooling while working and all of that stress is passed to the kids 
and uh, inadvertently, again, it's not. It's just reflective stress. There's sure. nothing really that parents are doing wrong. Um, so, so I will say for folks, if you're still in the COVID, you know, if you go to to uh, GreenInstitute.com and click the news page, you you are going to see a number of blogs that I've written that give strategies to try to help with this. Mm-hmm. You know, way more strategies than I than we can do in a couple minutes here. But there's a lot there uh, of how to set up rooms so that study rooms for kids so that's less stress on the parent and less stress for the kids and all of that because the more that you can take power and be empowered the less powerless each person will feel and then the less stress they'll be under because some of the stress you know you can't take power uh you can't um you can't cover everything right now right but right but some things you can be less powerless if you set up your home a certain way for online schooling so greeninstitute.com is going to have some blogs that will help people. Um, and, and um, you know, with this girl, with this girl, one thing the parents could do with her is, is just see if she can keep being connected to a best friend. It would be really good if this girl mm. had a best friend. And, um, and it would be really good if she could see that best friend, not via Zoom, but actually see that best friend, even if there's social distancing. Um, because part of what is going on for these kids is their isolation. You know, that isolation yep. is such a stress that's then triggering. And if we could just as a civilization understand that and then relax to some extent some of the rules for kids, in other words, let them be close to each other more mm-hmm. um, and love each other more, we would have less stress on these kids. But because they're isolated, because even though kids are not in danger from COVID, mm-hmm. right? I mean, right. there is a child. I think in the U.S., our numbers right now are 270 kids have died. But that is an incredibly low number. I mean, more more kids have died from a car wreck in the same period of time than from COVID. So COVID is, is not very hard on children. And uh, so I think it would be good if we understood that and if we started letting our kids be with each other more. That like this best friend concept, that would help. So I think that this teacher has actually stumbled upon uh, a, a great idea. She's, she's At the end, she's asking about strategies that she can teach her students uh, that will help calm them and so on. And she wants to teach her students these strategies as a, a roundabout way to actually teach that one girl <laughs> these strategies without singling her out. But, but really... Uh, it seems like one of the the key things that that uh, we need to have in our classrooms now are teachers who know how to to teach kids uh, to calm, uh, to find their core center in themselves in the midst of chaos. I know a number of classrooms have been using mindfulness, yeah, mindfulness uh, curriculum. Right. Uh, so, what are some of the things that the Gurian Institute recommends to teachers to do to help teach these kinds of skills to their students as a classroom? Yeah. Yes, we highly recommend mindfulness. There are a lot of those curricula out there, so it's not hard for anyone to find them. Um, uh, we don't happen to have our own, but it's it, it's it's okay. I mean, people can find them in a second. And um, just word of mouth in your school or your community will elicit mindfulness curricula that the teachers like, the parents like. Um, we, we teach brain breaks. We want to make sure now that kids um, uh, are getting up and moving around every 10 to 20 minutes. Uh, if they're doing online schooling, uh, even if they're in a classroom, we always recommend this. And actually getting up and moving around and doing a half uh, half a minute, you know, 30-second brain break, like thumb wars or like jumping jacks, you know, these are brain breaks, um, 
what these do is they get the blood going and uh, and they actually, the kids are calmer afterward. So mindfulness is going directly toward calming the brain, uh, bypassing the body uh, for the most part, except for the sitting. But brain breaks can help calm, uh, you know, by using the body. And uh, those, those are two sets that, you know, if you have a 45 minute class period, um, you're doing about two or three minutes of mindfulness usually, which is kind of meditation, something like that. And then you're doing two or three more brain breaks. And it, and it, again, it does work. Even if you're a teacher who's hate teaching online, uh, you can still have the kids do mm. both the mindfulness and the brain breaks mm. uh, in their home, in their home classroom. Yeah. Wow. That, that, that's, I think that's really helpful, especially for the online stuff. Uh, but of course in the classroom as well, uh, talk a little bit too about uh, the strategy then of working in recess. Yeah, we don't want to get rid of recess, you know, like the kids are online. Uh, so if the school had um, two recess periods, let's say one in the morning, one in the afternoon, we definitely want those keep those They're 20 minutes. And we should err on the side of more physical uh, recess. Um, so more physical play, uh, which can be recess, but also maybe now because it's online schooling, and we know that we're losing a lot of our kids anyway, right? I mean, they're not, a lot of kids, some kids are doing great with online schooling, but a lot of kids, we're just losing them. Um, uh, they're not really doing the lessons, et cetera. So it's okay, err on the side of giving them more play as learning, err on the side of giving them more time to move around, uh, even if away from the screen, send them out for 10 minutes to go do something. Um, in places like Phoenix, where you don't get a terrible winter, you know, they can be, sent out to go get leaves or to do, you know, some project, something project driven that they can do outdoors. Uh, of course, that's not going to be in the middle of the day for you guys, but, um, you know, in the morning or evening, you know, and teachers are very creative. They can come up with things yep. that fit their lesson, like counting, send them outside to count. Um, uh, they don't have to sit and do counting on worksheets because that's where we're losing them, but send them outside to count. So we're kind of extending recess, but it's really project-driven learning, and it's more play as learning. Um, and, and that's very important for them learning online. Uh, we're, we're seeing, of course, a terrible drop-off in education. Yeah. And part of how we get it back is we realize what we did in the classroom of lecturing or whatever it was, it's not going to work. So we got to come up with these other things and they can then help with the body's healthier. The mind becomes calmer. Right. Well, as I was going through, uh, you know, my years of, of uh, dealing with my own anxiety disorder, um, those were the things that came up over and over again. Keep exercising, uh, keep to a regular schedule of sleep to the best of your ability, because sometimes when you're anxious, you don't sleep as well, but just keep to that schedule. And then watch food intake. Mm -hmm. um, you know, st stay off of those things that stimulate the brain. So I, I, you know, basically got off caffeine. Um, for me, that was helpful. Um, and then, of course, you know, do those things uh, that are mindfulness to spend some time every day just doing meditation or deep breathing. And even though you don't feel like it, all of those things add up as time goes on. You're building new habits, and you learn to. Uh, that it doesn't matter what's happening around you. You're, you're calm on your inside. You can control who you are. And that's really what sets you free in the midst of all of the stuff going on around us, all the panic. And those are the strategies that you're talking about in the classroom. All of those little things that help yeah. our students sort of get control of who they are inside. 
Yeah. Yeah. And I'm so glad you brought up food because, because that's, you know, that's something happening right now is people are eating and their kids are eating. Um, they've deferred back toward junk food yeah, a lot comfort of the time. Food. Yeah. Comfort food. And they call mm -hmm. it what the COVID spread or the COVID 15. Yeah, uh -huh. Right. I mean, that's coming because uh, of course we're stressed and it's comfort food. And then it's easy too. the takeout that's available is easy. Yep. You, you, you get takeout at one of these uh, restaurants. I won't name them, but they're basically junk food and it's too much sugar. It's too much fat. I mean, the whole thing, it's bad for these young kids. And um, what we maybe don't realize is that it's not just bad for them because they'll put on some weight, but it's bad for them because it's bad for their brains. Mm. And um, you know, we're going to, it can, okay. One way it does it is mess with hormones. All the estrogen in all that junk food then messes with these girls hormonology um, and, uh, and actually lowers testosterone for males as well. Uh, but like talking about this 12 year old girl, some of what could be happening for her is you've isolated, you know, two things, her sleep hygiene might be off. In other words, she's not going to bed anymore at exactly the same time and getting up at the same time, which is good sleep hygiene. Um, now maybe she's just, it's a free for all, let's say, well, let's get her back on good sleep hygiene. And then the food, the food may now be a free for all. We got to get her back on healthy food. So those are two things. I'm really glad you brought them up. Yeah. Uh, the problem is, Michael, that junk food tastes so good. Oh, I know. My goodness. Yeah. I, I know, know what? I, I've got those extra pounds on me that I can't get rid of because of the darn junk food. I, I, um, I, I just, uh, you know, I eat healthy and I think healthy food tastes great. But the other day I broke down and I bought myself a Big Mac and a large fry, which I hadn't had ah, for over a year. Yeah. And I know some people just think, you know, McDonald's yuck, but oh my goodness, I was in heaven. And, I hear uh, you. You know, I, I regretted it for days afterwards, but wow, it tasted good. So it was right back to the salads after that. But, <laughs> but you know, for survival and just for overall health, these are such important things for us. Uh, and again, I, I think about just my own grandkids and, uh, you know, how easy it is to just sugar them up. Um, so much of the food that they eat, you know, has, is sugar-based. And we don't even realize a lot of that. And uh, it's just a lot of work in some ways. But once it you is. get in the habit, it's a lot of work to eat healthy. But in the long run, uh, it's so good for us and for our kids and their brains. And that's really what we're talking about. Uh, one of the ways we calm our kids down is just to get the right foods in them. It, it is. It, it, people would be shocked on how deep this research is on that. Yeah. I mean, the two there's two things like for depression, exercise and food intake, mm -hmm. you know, and and how much research there is out there showing like exercise as an example, cutting back, uh, you know, two hours of exercise a day uh, can cut back on depression 40 percent. Wow. That's huge. You know, obviously, this is over a period of time. And doesn't work for every single human being with all the caveats, but that's a really big number. And then cutting out junk food, uh, how it can affect hormones and, th and then how it can affect mood and um, uh, stress and all of that. The research is really deep, folks, and it is very hard. I have, I will confess, I'm addicted to chocolate. I just <laughs> loved, uh, you know, and not healthy chocolate, I'm afraid to say, oh, but, yeah, but well. like, Kit Kats or M&Ms oh, or whatever. Yeah, I mean, no, they're no. so bad, you know, I shouldn't yep. eat them. But, but so I understand how hard it is. Um, yep. However, just know the research is really deep. And if, if anyone takes maybe one thing away from this podcast today, 
maybe it's to just pick one of these things. And if, yep. if you look and you've got adolescent kids or, you know, little kids and, and their diet has shifted toward junk food and you were really good about it a year ago and now it's shifted to junk food, maybe that's the takeaway today. Just get them off that junk food again. Mm-hmm. That's good. That's good. Well, Michael, this is, again, this is such important stuff, especially in this COVID world. And uh, even though we're recording this in November and and people are listening to this in December and after, uh, I think we're both pretty sure we'll still be in a COVID world at that time. So these will be issues for us for the months to come until that vaccine gets to us. Um, And so we're going to need to continue to talk about ways to keep all of us uh, sort of in ourselves and uh, confident and resilient uh, in the midst of a world that seems so out of control right now, and um, uh, and that and that's part of uh, you know eating right, exercising, doing all those things. So I appreciate uh, all the insights you've given to us. I do want to give you an opportunity quickly to just mention uh, the Forge School, if you would, one of our sponsors. Oh yes, um, the Forge School. Uh, WonderofParenting.com. Our sponsors are there. You can click right to them. The Forge School, fourteen to seventeen year old boys it's a residential treatment center school and it's in the woods um in um, tennessee on 55 acres uh and i'm working with them as consultant they have a really good system for working uh already with teen boys and then i'm helping them make it utterly boy friendly uh so program design etc that's making it adventure-based and boy friendly it's really state-of-the-art school the forge school for 14 to 17 year old boys who are having issues obviously if you're going to send them to a residential treatment they're having issues depression, uh, trauma response, um, you know, a set of issues. And if you go to their website, it shows the issues that they take. So uh, go to wonderofparenting.com, click the Forge School, and then you'll see. Same for uh, our other sponsor, and that's the Center of Place of Hope up in the Seattle area. And uh, since we've been talking about depression and anxiety in particular today and and, uh, strategies for calming ourselves, uh, Greg Jantz, who's the director, has written... Uh, all kinds of books on all of those topics. And so even if you don't feel like you need the center or place of hope, I know that you would like to at least see what Greg's books are. And you can learn more about the center and also about all of Greg's wonderful resources there on wonderofparenting.com. Just hit the link to the center or place of hope. And also on our Facebook or our, our Wonder of Parenting dot com page you will find uh resources from michael from me uh that can help you in parenting and that submission form where you can bring our questions or bring us your questions and then again want to encourage you to head over to our facebook page we have a group page there wonder of parenting and a lot of parents uh, almost 700 parents on there who are interacting every day with questions about parenting and using the wisdom of each other uh, to uh, mm-hmm. to be better parents. So we encourage you to head over there. Michael, thank you for thank another you great podcast. And yep, thank, thank you, you, everyone, for listening. We'll be back with you again next week. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.